I'm in Nashville with my latest girlfriend standing in a church. I was raised by atheists and my skin begins to crawl in places like this. But she asked me. She invited me to go with her family and it's almost Christmas. She asks so little and she's so kind. So of course I am here in a clean shirt and a borrowed tie trying not to stare. The voices are clumsy and slow. The music is dark and maybe beautiful. I do not listen so carefully. I just stare at the stained glass windows, the backs of people's heads, occasionally at her, and she shares a little smile. She's so happy. A few days later, we go to Memphis. It's my first time, and we visit Sun Records take the tour. I'm all in black, the New Yorker far from the city in his uniform, and the guide laughs, asks me how much I like Johnny Cash. There's a scuff mark on the floor of the big room, and I wonder if Elvis made it, or Carl Perkins, or maybe the prison heirs. And then to Graceland, because you have to visit there just once. And it's so sad, a broken and lonely man's temple to madness. All I see is pain here and the grave of Elvis's twin brother, Aaron, who died at birth. I never need to see this place again, but I would sleep on the floor of Sun Records every night. For the first time in my life, I want to buy a guitar. And this is Songbird. In this episode, we're talking about track seven from Heaven Get Behind Me. Way up there, don't say a word. So, so many influences brought this song into being, and it took a very crooked path. There's two very different demos you're going to hear this time. Let's just get right into it. It's no secret, I love those early Sun Records recordings. Not just that young Elvis and that Carl Perkins stuff. There were gospel acts and rhythm and blues acts, and Sam Phillips recorded anything that he thought was good. And one of the most overlooked is the Prisoners. They're a five-part doo-wop group of actual prisoners. I'm talking rapists, murderers, life sentence guys. But they sang like angels, and somehow Sam found a way to record them. And in their music, there's just a little incidental guitar. It's just a couple little casual strums, which sounds a lot like the Mills Brothers, actually. But they had these really tight, beautiful harmonies. The famous track from them is called Just Walking in the Rain. That was the single. And of course, I want you to kind of pause the podcast, go to the show notes, look at them and hear that. Just walking in the rain. Getting soaking wet. Eh, that's my very bad version of it, but in case you didn't go to the show notes. 
So here's the big question. Can a terrible person still write a great song? And can they sing that song? Can our ears, can our hearts allow for that? And I know there's no real answer to this question. And they recorded this in 1953. It's not today. But I think the tiny germ that grew into the song that I wrote, it came from that question. My song is about a man that's a killer. And he fully admits it in the first line. I was a killer. And then it just goes on from there. The music and the arrangement on this one changed so much, but the words never changed. Let's hear some of that first demo. I was a killer And I'm your brother I am so tired of looking over my shoulder. I'm so tired of looking at you. I just hear this romantic, gentle treatment, and the lyrics are clearly miserable, maybe even a little brutal, but the the pace and the, the phrasing, they sound so sweet. It just doesn't add up. So I just let this one marinate for a while, and I also didn't feel like the guitar was doing anything. It just sounded really familiar to a lot of the other tracks. There was nothing special there. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we're going to rewind two years earlier. So I was obsessed with a singer and songwriter, David Eugene Edwards, of 16 Horsepower, and now his band is called Woven Hand. This guy is a legend, but kind of in an alternate universe. Just imagine if Nick Cave was born in Mississippi and raised on uh, alligators and snakes. And the first time I heard him, I was in Moscow 13 years ago. I was working in a little studio and a commercial. And this DJ came into the room and he had to make a copy of a file or something. And I was listening to Wilco and he's like, oh, God, turn that shit off. And he threw this CD on the table. He says, listen to this. And it was 16 horsepower. And I mean, it was fucking awesome. How do you explain 16 horsepower? It's very sparse, but it's a huge sound. It's like, I don't know, like giant horses uh, moving through some dark, mysterious landscape. It was almost prophetic, and yet it was only three minutes long. I mean, I don't even remember the DJ's name, uh, but he left me the CD, probably because it was just a pirate copy. And I mean, this is Moscow. That's pretty normal here. So there's a 16 horsepower track called Strawfoot, and that is the second link I'm going to put in the show notes or look it up on YouTube. Strawfoot, 
16 horsepower, and no, I'm not going to try to sing any of that for you. So David Eugene Edwards is playing this bizarre instrument in Strawfoot. It looks like a banjo. It's got five strings, but the face is all wood and the back is all wood. Normally banjos are open in the back, made of metal, and maybe it's the tuning he has on it, some alternate tuning, but I just was haunted by the sound of this instrument. So what the hell is this thing? It turned out it is something called a banjola, and they were made in New York in the late 1800s by a guy named August Pullman, or some people say his name was August Pullman. I don't know. And they were only made for a certain amount of time. So there's only so many of them in the world, and they're like, what, 120-something years old at this point. So, of course, I needed one of these because I was going to record this album, and I needed these secret weapons like this ancient instrument. I looked high and low. I got on eBay. I went through every single rare instrument forum you could imagine, and about a year into the search, one popped up on eBay. I was bidding, I was biting my fingernails, hoping the price didn't skyrocket to something idiotic. And then I won it and it was like two in the morning, jumping around in my underwear, just so fucking happy. And they said they could ship it to Moscow. I mean, it was just perfect. So it's being shipped and suddenly eBay refunds me my money and says, there's some shipping issue that is unresolvable, supposedly because the instrument was too large by some dimension, as they said. So anyway, my money is back in my pocket, but the banjola is sitting in some fucking eBay warehouse somewhere, and I'm furious. So I'm banging on every door I can to try to get them to still sell it to me outright. Complete refusal. So I take a breath, I go back to looking, and of course, six months later, the exact same banjola shows up on eBay again. Actually, I think it was about 50 bucks less the second time. I won it, add it shipped to someone in the States, and then six months later, I was in New York. I picked it up. Hallelujah. The most amazing thing is you could actually play it. The tuners are super loose. It goes out of tune in three seconds. What do you, it, the world is not perfect. Here's a great side note inside this flashback ranch story. I actually was in New York at the end of 2019, and there was a woven hand show, and I was there, and... Yes, David Eugene Edwards was at the end of the bar. I get to walk up to him, tell him this ridiculous story of how the banjola ended up in my hands. And it's really all his fault. <laughs> this badass, serious fucking dude laughed his ass off. It was just perfect. Here's a bit more about David Eugene Edwards, D-E-E, -E, as the cool kids say. He's the son of an outlaw biker, and his grandfather was a Nazarene preacher. So suddenly, this guy all makes perfect sense. I mean, who else was he going to be but this musician? So let's rewind all the way back to our song demo that just really needs some help. I decided to try the banjola with it, and I kid you not, Five minutes later, with this 120-year-old 
museum piece, all kinds of great things were happening. And I also knew that some kind of harmonies were going to need to be part of the solution. So I recorded the demo on my iPhone, put it on my laptop, and I played harmonica and some very messy background vocals right into the microphone on my laptop. It was that crude. lyrics, but a very different song. Now my feet were on the ground. When it came time to record the album version, I just recorded the main voice and the banjola together, just like I recorded guitar and voice together, that one microphone, no headphones on, and then I started to record additional vocals, harmonies that were going to evolve into this great big gospel choir behind the main voice but the choir is me. The big idea was it's the man looking at his face, seeing the same person in all of them. And I know that's a stretch. That's just how I got there. What happens when you do this single small voice transitioning to the great big choir is you create this huge sense of space. It's like the field mouse and then the whole circus. And a lot of gospel recordings do this. Central voice in the big group, it's, there's, there's nothing new here. I wasn't inventing anything. I was just trying to stay in step with the history that brought me to this song. On the technical side, I used such a special reverb plugin, once again from Universal Audio. It's called the Capitol Chambers Reverb. Capitol Records is where the Beach Boys recorded Pet Sounds and Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Everybody recorded there. And they had these special giant empty rooms where the music was piped in through speakers 
and then re-recorded onto microphones. And depending on what room you used, how far or how close, and what kind of microphone you used, you got this in just ridiculously special reverb. If you think of any silky, sweet Nat King Cole vocal, this was the secret sauce. Al Schmidt is the name associated with the use of these reverb rooms on so many amazing recordings. And thanks to digital technology, this ridiculously faithful reproduction of this effect was available to me in my Moscow living room to use on this song. And boy, did I freaking use it. I also used just a little bit of harmonium again, which is the little tabletop hand-pumped organ that was also used on track six, Sebastopol. Two of the verses in this song are a rewrite of a lullaby. Hush, little baby, don't say a word, by Mother Goose. We all want to go back in time and be innocent, right? That's universal. If you're in prison for murder, or if you're just a law-abiding citizen, we all want to go back and fix some stuff. So that rewrite on the words, it reflects that wish, and at the same time, it reflects how impossible that is. So hush, hush little baby, don't say a word. I'm so sorry. Papa's gonna buy you a jailbird. All the looking glasses, yeah, they're all broken. And if those birds forget to sing, you guys know the rest. All right, let's hear the final version. so tired of looking at you Oh, look at 
Dogs are barking. Dogs are howling. Like they're trying to tell us something. Let me go outside just for a minute. Let me run in the grass. Oh, Lord, just make me brave. Oh, Lord, just give me back some time. Oh, Lord, just take back my face and give it to a better man and don't say a word. And I feel like he's saying, God, this will be our little secret. Please don't tell anyone. I'm not sure how I got there, but boy, did we get there. I have to dedicate all the big ideas in this one to the late, great Hal Wilner. He taught me how to take risks. He taught me how to chase 120-year-old instruments for damn good reasons and not give up. He taught my ears that anything is possible when your heart is in the right place. We'll talk a lot about him in one of the next episodes. All right, songbirds. This is that part at the end where I tell you where you can find us. We're in all your favorite podcasting platforms. And now we're on Pandora. Or you can just go to songbirdpodcast.com. That's where all the show notes are. And there's some pretty fantastic ones on this episode. I think you kind of have to listen to them for half of this one to make sense. If you like this track, you can stream or buy Heaven Get Behind Me on Bandcamp, on Spotify, on iTunes, or Amazon. All you have to do is search for Martin Ruby, that's the band name, or Heaven Get Behind Me, and you'll find us. Let's give a late-night shout-out to Bunky Hunt, Whistlepig Records, all the way over in Detroit. Next time on Songbird, a last meal, a schoolhouse, and blind rain. 
Thanks for listening.